The topic I'm talking about tonight, it kind of might seem a bit strange. It goes like this. Where or who is my Ethiopian? Where or who is my Ethiopian? And some of you are going, I don't have an Ethiopian. You know, what? What? Why do I have to find an Ethiopian? Are we all going to rush out tomorrow and find an Ethiopian? Well, it wouldn't hurt us. You know, let's all go down to Sunshine Plaza and go, anyone here? Ethiopian, Ethiopian, Ethiopian. Who are they? I told you a story this morning about how God spoke to me years ago um, about going to the Congo. And how I went to the Congo because John didn't go, he sent me. No, I didn't actually say that. I just said you were a great part of it. But it really was your family, and I was grafted into that family. And when I was going to the Congo, I talked to this, um, the pastor who invited me, and you know, I said, look, I don't have time to go somewhere and get a visa. So you're going to have to get a visa for me to come. There'll be 14 of us that are coming. I'm taking a team, and, um, and we'll come to the Congo. So we've been traveling a lot of hours, you know, It felt like, you know, six days, but it was probably, you know, 40 hours or something. And we arrived in the Congo and it's, 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 it's challenging. You know, the airport's a bit of a mess. And so I'm looking around and um, they're trying to take our team of 15 of us, take us off in separate areas. And one guy's over here and they're trying to convince him to get yellow fever, new yellow fever vaccinations for US dollar cash. And they're trying to take one other people. And so I've got all these people everywhere and they've taken all our passports and it's just an absolute shambles. And this guy comes up to me, this security guy, and he goes, hi, I'm Pastor So-and-so. I'm so-and-so. I work here at the, go- at the um, airport and I'm in charge of, you know, something or other. And he said, you know, and Pastor Israel is running late, but I'm looking after you. And I said, Pastor Israel is late. I've come all the way. I've traveled hours and hours and hours and Pastor Israel is late. And I was not happy. You know, and I said, this is very bad hospitality, which is probably the worst thing you can say to an African. And this is very bad hospitality and I've lost my passports and I've lost this. Everything is in me saying, God, can I please get on that plane and get the heck out of here? Mainly because as you get on the plane, people are lined up on the tarmac ready to get on the plane, okay? The pilots don't like to stay more than an hour in Kinshasa. That's another story. So I'm thinking, okay, so he just thought, what am I going to do with this woman? So he stuck me in the VIP room, gave me air conditioning. So I'm in this room with a whole lot of other people. My first time in the Congo, don't speak the language, don't understand. The person I'm there to meet isn't there. All that God has told me is that he sent me there to meet the Josephs, that God is going to raise up. So I've got this whole prophetic word. I don't know who it's for. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. So this little guy comes up and he sticks a camera in my face. It's all duct taped up and there's a cord going somewhere. I don't know where. And, you know, he sticks his camera in my face and he goes, what do you think of the Congo? Well, I'm capable of telling him. And I go, who are you? And he said, oh, we're Congolese television. I thought, of course you are. I haven't got a camera. So I just said to him, looked in the camera and said, I'm, God's told me to raise up the Joseph of this, of this nation. And this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And this is, you know, and just kind of blurted it all out in my head thinking, if I share this to the camera, I can leave. <laughs> I've done what God's told me to. So I share it into the camera and he kind of... And I look and he looks and he wanders off and I think, well, that was strange. And um, eventually Pastor Israel arrives and, you know, he takes us with us and, you know, we get on this car and we're going somewhere. And as we're going somewhere, he goes, I go, where are we going? He goes, we're going to church to preach. Of course we are. been traveling 40 hours. It's exactly what I want to do is go and preach. So praise God. Let's preach and then let's get out of here. 
So we're going off and we go, you know, we're preaching and then they've decided because I do prisons in Nigeria, I should go to prisons in Congo. They're not the same country. <laughs> God spoke to me about prisons in Nigeria, not prisons in Congo. But anyway, so I'm in this prison in the Congo, of course, and, you know, I'm in the men's prison and we're in there and we're meeting this pastor who is not recorded. So he has been, he said something on television that upset the president. And so he got thrown in prison and his name is not recorded. What that means, he has no access to the legal system. So he's been there a couple of years. And so we're there visiting him, you know, and that was just a whole nother story. So we're visiting this guy and, you know, you know, kind of as nicely as we can. I'm going, you know, it'd be really good if we got out of here now. So we're walking out of the prison and, you know, walking, walking way too slow for me. And we get in the van, and as we're driving out of the prison, they shut the gates. And the guard comes up and said, no, no, you're not allowed to leave. I'm like, great. And so you don't understand the language. Everybody's chatting away. I'm going, Holy Spirit, what is going on? And the guard said, the president has said of the country, wants you to come and visit him. And he said, because you've said you're too busy, he is going to keep you in prison until you come and visit And I'm like, I'm willing to visit. I'm willing. I'm willing. No one asked me. No one told me we were visiting the president. So they opened the gates because we said we'll go and visit the president. You know, so we kind of went home and got changed because, you know, our luggage had disappeared, but it turned up when we were meeting the president. Whole other story. And so, of course, I had some, um, you know, Australian flags and some Australian worship CDs, all equipped to see the president. So we get changed, we go to this presidential compound, and it's, it's interesting. You know, God takes you places you never expected to go, right? I didn't expect to go on this compound. So what I realized was, you know, they search. You cannot understand how much they search all the guys in our team, right? I've got my African dress on. I waltz through with my handbag because a woman is not going to cause a revolution, right? So if you're planning to blow up the presidential palace do it as a female. So we wandered on in and we do this. And so I'm trying to work out what's going on. And Pastor Israel said, we meet this person and then this person. So, you know, there's a whole protocol about who you meet. So we go into this room and there's, you know, 14 of us. So there's, you know, 20 of them. And, you know, I've got a, there's a guy that we have with a gun. And so they've got more guns. So we're sitting around and, um, you know, we've got this diplomat. Everybody's beautifully dressed because it's the Congo and they're French and all their shoes are clean. Random piece of fact. Everybody's shoes are clean. I, I don't know how it happens. I haven't been in the men's bathrooms. But they're there and everyone, And so we're, we're there and we're there to meet this guy. And this guy, I'm trying to work out who he is. And they said, oh, he's a, he's a visa official. He got us the visas. That's, again... Pastor Israel's miracle, but that was a miracle. So we come in there and we're meeting this guy and, you know, I've had no protocol experience. So he's supposed to speak and then I'm supposed to speak and everybody translates and, you know, so I'm just, you know, he chats and I interrupt him and chat and, you know, give him the Australian flag and do the whole thing. And um, we can't speak the same language. So it's all translated. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, you should pray for him. I'm like, you pray for him. You know, he's a pastor here. Anyway, I just said, so can I pray for you? And he goes, yes. And so I said, Pastor Israel, why don't you pray? (laughs) Thinking that will give me a hint whether this guy has any sort of faith or not. You know, often we have no clue what God is up to. And that keeps us dependent on him. 
but it's often a little scary. So he brings him over and Pastor Israel prays French, Lingali, I don't know. He prays in something. Whatever it is, it's no good to me. I still have no clue if this man is a Christian, if anyone's Christians, what I'm supposed to be doing. So I said to him, we're going to pray for you. Would you like to kneel down? It's very hard to hit someone when you're kneeling, right? That was my whole tactic. So he kneels down and, and we start to lay hands on him and pray. And I realized I was sent to the Congo for this guy. So I just said, look, you know, God knows who you are. God's going to raise you up. He's appointed you to be a Joseph. You're going to get a promotion. You're going to manage the, you know, resources of this nation. God wants you to do it with integrity. A whole lot of other stuff, you know, that someone was translating and I hoped was God. If it wasn't, it was, you know, it would be scary. So I just shared this with him. And so he's on his knees and I'm praying and we're prophesying and everybody's, you know, praying in a language I don't understand and, and, you know, the people with guns aren't moving. So, so far, so good. And I get him up and I said to him, so do you know Jesus? And, you know, oh, yes, yes. Are you a Christian? Oh, yes, yes. I said, well, this is Pastor Israel. He's your father. You know, you need to look after him. You know, shook hands, gave him the flag, left, went to the next person. And so we just kept meeting people. Just to give you an idea about this country, we were in the, the chief of staff, you know, whatever that whatever the two I see is in the nation. And we're, we're in his office waiting to see him and then the president. And in his office, they're playing this, this movie called Blood Diamond. And I'm looking out and I can see the Congo River. And I said to the guy, oh, what, what's that boat? He said, oh, that's our escape boat. Whose escape boat? So, you know, oh, if they storm the compound and want to kill the president, we can all get in the boat. So I'm there, it's quite a fast, it's a, like it's a big, big, big thing. And I'm thinking, so, do I go on the boat? Do I stay here? You know, if someone's storming the compound, what's the protocol for this? Are they going to let, you know, this whole, and, you know, he's saying Blood Diamond, this is a popular movie. I'm like, this is not a promo movie for the Congo. Let, let, let me tell you, this, I don't, I don't know what you're thinking. So anyway, we went and saw, you know, his boss and that was interesting Gave the, you know, gave the, gave the um, flag, gave the, um, gave the CD. And his boss said to me, so you've been on Congo television? I said, oh, yes, I did a thing at the airport. He said, no, no, they've been following you around everywhere you go. And you've been in prisons and you've been here and you've been there. He, okay, so not quite under the radar then. And he said, what is this thing about Joseph. And I said, oh, you know, it's a prophecy God gave me about raising up the Josephs. He said, our president's name is Joseph. I said, oh, okay. Are you upset with our president? Not really. Never met him. Don't know anything about him. So there was this whole thing that happened. Anyway, I never got to meet the president that time because he somehow got called out of the country. I don't know. Anyway, whatever happened. But it was an interesting thing to happen. So I just, you know, left the country and whatever. Two weeks later, this gentleman, the first person I saw out of five of them, the first person I saw, he got a promotion to be invited to the resource committee for the Congo. They, it's Coltane, Diamonds, you know, they've got a lot of resources. And he attributes that to me prophesying over him. I don't attribute it to that. But anyway... 
God miraculously raised him up. And we've been on this kind of long journey. Not, we don't really understand each other very well, but been on this long journey. And what it says to me is God knows where you are. He knows what he's called you to do, and he knows where you're taking him. And, it, and over the years, we've done a lot of stuff with the Congo. I could tell you lots of stories. But I'll tell you, I was, you know, I've met him in various places and had opportunities to speak into his life. And the last time I was there, they said to me, oh, Elaine can't meet with you this time. He's got a promotion. Well, he's had several promotions. So I'm like, oh, that's good. What does he do now? Oh, he's the treasurer of the country. Okay, that, that seems a promotion. Um, and yeah, the president's out of the country, so he's running parliament at the moment. Okay, well, that sounds busy, so I can understand why he can't meet me. Um, no problems at all. But then they hadn't told him that he couldn't meet me, so then he worked out, well, let's just stop parliament, because what are they doing in there? So um, I went, and now he's got his own buildings. He's been very kind to us. We've been given a lot of buildings to do various things over the years but now he's got his own building and it's all very impressive and you know there's all of these people and he's got all this staff and and the whole thing and he comes out to to meet me which is you know they all thought was pretty something and um, I mean I've come from Australia but he's come out of the building so that's a big deal so we met we went to his office we poured oil we prayed we anointed him why am I saying that God is interested in the one and he can take you all the way to a country to meet with one person. But one person can make a difference. You know, when we look at life, there was a guy years ago who wrote a book, Charles Sheldon wrote a book called What Would Jesus Do? And he, he said, imagine if all of us did what Jesus would do. What did Jesus do? Acts tells us that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus just went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the enemy, for God was with him. Everything that Jesus did was because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Everything that he did. So when I talk to someone or when we pray for someone, it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I was working through a shopping center a while ago and there was a young guy there, real surfer dude, looked really hip, looked really cool. Not at all like me. Not the sort of person that I would normally hang out with. And I felt God say, go and pray for him. You know, it's, it's one thing praying in church. It's another thing at the shopping center. Like, okay, so I kind of went over to stand in front of him and he had these sort of, you know, beats on. And you know how when you're standing in front of someone and they don't see you? Like he was just looking everywhere else, you know? He didn't see me. So I just lifted up his headphone and said, hi, we don't know each other. And he sort of took his headphones on and, you know, and I said, oh, we don't know each other, it's okay. You know, I said, but, you know, I believe in God. And I use this line a lot. I've never had anyone say, I don't believe in God. Nor have I had them say, I do believe in God. They generally are in shock and don't say anything. <laughs> so I said, you know, I believe in God and I just felt prompted to come, could I pray with you? And he didn't say no. So anyone who doesn't say no, I've had one person in the whole time I've been doing this for a long time, long, long time. I've had one person say no, and I respect that. But no one else has ever said no. I'm not sure I've had that many yeses, but I assume if you say nothing, that's a yes. <laughs> so I just prayed for him. I said, can I do this? I just put my hand on his arm because somehow that seems an acceptable thing. Prayed for him, dear God. And I keep my eyes open in case security comes. Find that helpful. I've never had security come, but who knows? 
Australian security is nothing anyway, compared to the Congo. <laughs> so I just pray, dear God, you know, I just pray for this young man. Thank you that you love him, care about him. I just pray for his sister and the challenges they're going through. And I just pray that you'll be with them, that you will let them know that you care. Um, and, you know, very simple. Just keep it short. You're in a, you're in a shopping centre. Don't, you know, I appreciate Pentecostal prayers. Let's just save them for us, right? You know, shopping centre may be not the best place to pray for an hour and a half. So I just said in Jesus' name, because I always use the name of Jesus, because that's where the authority is. There's no other name by which we might be saved. And I always say amen, because most people get that might be the end. And then he just looked at me and I said, you need to think about that. He said, how did you know I had a sister? I said, God knows everything, and left. I had to get my shopping to the car. Now, many of you would say, why didn't you stop and lead him to Jesus? You've got to do something. We are links in the chain. And what we're doing is the link that God has told us to do, right? And so I don't know what happened to him. I think he went back to wherever he came from. But what we're doing is saying, how can we go around doing good? The good that Jesus did was bringing the power of God into situations, you know, in in listening to them. So Jesus went around doing good and he said this, love your neighbour. Love your neighbour as yourself. I want to encourage you. I've been thinking about this 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want to encourage you at some of that at least to go for a prayer walk. Go and walk down your streets and just pray for your neighbours. You know, you don't have to lay hands on the gate and cast out the demons. You can if you want to. But just go around and say, God, and see what house? See what people your heart are moved towards. See what God does. You see, there are people in your street that maybe no one else in the world is praying for. Start it. Just start prayer walking. And so there was this guy, Philip. Acts chapter um, 8 tells us this. And Philip was in a situation where he was in a meeting and he was having success and everything was amazing. And then it says, Then the angel spoke to him, to Philip, and said, At noon, I want you to walk over to that desolate road that goes from Jerusalem down to Gaza. We've been on this road. It's still desolate. Nobody wants to be on the Gaza road. And it's hot. It's the middle of the day. Philip maybe is thinking God is punishing him. See, he's just been in the midst of seeing lots of people come to Jesus. He's been in the midst of healing. He's been in the midst of miracles. And the only information he gets is go down on the road. One of the things I know about God is that he gives us information on a need-to-know basis. Psalm 119 talks about this. God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He gives us a Joseph vision, and then he forgets to mention that it's going to be via a pit. And your brothers will kill you. And it's going to be via jail. He doesn't always tell us the information. The trust is positioning ourselves. You've got David McCracken coming for conference. You're going to love David. He is the father of prophets. He is just an apostolic prophet. He's just amazing. But he uses this phrase, prophecy is God's intention. We have to position ourselves. God's prophetic intention was for this Ethiopian. But Philip had to position himself. He had to get up and go on the road to Gaza. So he's just walking down this road and it's hot and he's tired and there's a chariot that comes along. Now, you know what I would do? Get in the middle of the road, stop the chariot and say, I am hot, I am tired, I'm on a mission from God. God has sent me here to you. But Philip doesn't do that. He walks alongside. This might come as a shock to you, 
But before you meet people, they are breathing and God is working in their lives. So we are cooperating with God's plan. We're not beginning it. We're not initiating it. God's already at work in people's lives. And so it says he got up and he went. Obedience is getting up and going. When God tells you to something, write it down, pray about it, talk to some other people about it, but get moving. Position yourself for it. Position yourself for it. He went and he met an Ethiopian eunuch coming down the road. The eunuch had been on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, was returning to Ethiopia, where he was minister in charge of the finance of Candace, queen of the Ethiopian. He was reading a chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. A lot of information. He's in a chariot and he's already been searching for God. He's already been searching. He's already reading the scriptures. And it says, the eunuch then says, tell me what the prophet is talking about, himself or some other. As we position ourselves to walk alongside the people that God puts in our life, we have to listen to the questions they're asking. What's in their heart? There's no point trying to explain to them revelation if they don't care. There's no point trying to explain to them all sorts of things. The first night of Alpha, probably here too, is, is that you say, if God existed, what question would you ask? It's the only time we try and go around the group and see what question they would ask. We don't assume that they think God exists, but what is the question on your heart? And that's probably the only thing we write down. What's the question on their heart? And what we watch is those questions can be general. You know, why does God allow suffering? I think God is an alien. Is there life on other planets? Great questions. Really, Wow, that's an interesting question. Write it down. And then someone will say, if God is good, why do seven-year-old boys who've never done anything wrong die? That's not a random question. And you start to see where people's heart is. And you start to pray into that. And you start to believe for that. And if you listen at work, if you listen at university, if you listen at school, if you listen at home, if you listen in cafes, people are already searching. There's already a hunger in their heart. And so this Ethiopian goes, who is this guy talk about? Here's what I love. This is the whole take home right here. Philip grabbed the chance. Another phrase puts it this way, Philip sees the opportunity. Using this passage at the text, he preached Jesus to them. You see, we cooperate with what God is already doing. We just be open. You know, I was telling people, you know, I pointed myself the chaplain to the street. It wasn't hard. No one else applied. And just said, hey, I'm here if you want prayer. Invited all my, you know, my daughter, every class she was in, invited them all to Christmas and Easter. What we do is we go out of our way to position ourselves for people who have questions, for people who are, who are already searching. In Australia, we can tell you that the search for faith is greater than it's ever been before. Revival always follows pandemic. That's, you know, you can track that back through every pandemic. This is the greatest season of evangelism and evangelization we have ever seen. But we need to position ourselves. We need to walk down the right streets. We need to listen to the right conversations. We need to have what God is wanting to do. So what would Jesus do? He'd look for who is my neighbor. Sometimes he'd send us to Ethiopians. He would say to us, you need to grab the opportunity John 20 puts it this way. He spoke to them and said, 
peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me as we close? That's for you, Josh, to make you feel better. (laughs) We're closing, just not quite yet. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you just to raise your hands, open your hands, and we are going to pray the most ancient prayer of the church, the prayer that was before liturgy, the prayer that was before anything. You can memorize it. It goes like this, come Holy Spirit. Now, you don't have to raise your hands. You can cross your arms and say, God, get me if you have to. But my encouragement is an openness. And just pray it. Let's pray it several times out loud together. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And then it said they received the Holy Spirit. So why don't you just drink in the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, we just drink in your presence. We drink in your power. We drink in you as living water. We drink in you as fire. We drink in you as oil. We drink in you as as wind. Holy Spirit, come in all the forms that you can come to us. Holy Spirit, would you position us this week for an Ethiopian? Holy Spirit, would you position us this week to pray with someone, to talk to someone, to prayer walk? Holy Spirit, would you help us carry the presence of God into the situations where we go? And then would you help us to listen and cooperate with whatever it is you're doing? We just ask it now in Jesus' name. I told you at the beginning of my talk, I was in a room like this where I saw a picture of myself and I was lost. And that feeling of being lost gripped me. And as you came in here tonight, you probably thought, I'm lost. I don't have the same connection. I don't have the same purpose that Tyler had. I don't have the same connection that Josh has. I don't know what she's talking about. The Bible says that Jesus knocks on the door of our heart and there's only a handle on one side. And he's wanting to come into our lives. He's wanting us to be found. He's wanting us to be adopted into his family. And I'd like to pray with those tonight who are willing and ready to open the door of your heart. You don't know everything yet, but do you have enough now to say, yeah, I want to open the door of my heart to Jesus. I want to invite Jesus into my life. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand while everybody's eyes are closed? Say, would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? Our church... C3, this is the primary thing that we do. As um, Dan prayed, we're a soul-winning church. We believe in people coming to Jesus. If you want to accept Jesus tonight, just put your hand up right where you are. Say, yeah, would you pray with me? There's a battle that goes on. I want to encourage you, when you're ready to pray that prayer, Lord, tonight we pray for each person that there's a battle going on in their heart. And we just pray that they will, on their bed tonight, as they're driving around, make that conscious decision to open their heart and invite you in. We pray it in Jesus' name. 
I want to ask you to do one more thing. If you've got your phone with you, would you hold it in your hand? If you don't have your phone in church, come and talk to me after because you are my inspiring example. (laughs) But the rest of us, get out our phone. You know our phone has in it all of our contacts. Our phone has in it all of the people that follow us. I don't know where we're taking them, but they follow us on social media. It has in our phone all of our appointments for the week. This phone is a symbol of our life. And in this phone are the people that Jesus wants to come to faith. And they're waiting. They're waiting for someone to pray for them. They're waiting for someone to invite. They're waiting for someone to bring them. I want to invite you in a moment with me to raise your phone. And we do a bit of a wave offering to God. Look it up if you're worried about what that is. And we're going to say, Lord, we present before you these people. We ask for salvation. We ask that you will position us to walk alongside them. We ask that they would have conversations with us about Jesus. We ask that they would make their way to the Father's house. If you're willing to do that, just put your, put your phone up and we're waving it before God. It's a wave offering. Lord, we are presenting these names before you. We are presenting our social media before you. Let it be more than just, you know, ads. Let it be us sowing seeds into people's lives. Lord, our diaries are in here. We have things that are on in our lives. Would you help us to take the opportunities you give us to share? Maybe as we're painting a wall together. Maybe as we're standing at the gate together. Maybe as we're doing surgery together. Maybe as we're at the coffee station at work. Would you help us share about you if the opportunity arises? Lord, we thank you for the people in our lives. We present them before you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you will draw them to Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'll position ourselves to walk alongside the Ethiopians. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll help us to listen to the questions and to start a conversation. Lord, when we said... You're our Saviour and our Lord. We present our phones before you. Please be Lord of our week. Please be Lord of our connections. Please be Lord of the decisions we make. And may we be part of finding our Ethiopian and seeing them come to faith. History tells us that that Ethiopian asked if he could get baptised. Don't you love it when people want to follow Jesus more than you think they should? And he got baptised and history tells us that he went back to Ethiopia and started an amazing revival. That God moved in that nation in a powerful way. The power of one. The power of obedience. Walking alongside. The power of listening. And the power of cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Can you tell someone next to you, keep looking for your Ethiopian. Ethiopian.